0: What had happened was tragedy hit Dayton square in the jaw over and over again in 2019. But no matter how hard it hit, Dayton kept getting back up. Thanks for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. I'm Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. And I have a very, very Dayton strong show for you today. We are sharing stories of survival, struggle, and strength during this episode, recorded at the Dayton Metro Library a few weeks ago. Dayton area residents were invited to tell us their tales related to the terrifying Memorial Day tornadoes, mass shooting in our very own Oregon district, and other community rallying events such as the KKK rally. Dayton Daily News reporter Cornelius Froelich and I were amazed by the courage, generosity, and love our our fellow citizens share with us. They range from a video game obsessed preteen who lost everything in the worst of the Memorial Day Tornadoes to a dad who rushed to pick his son up from the Oregon District on August 4th. The What Had Happened Was podcast is a product of Dayton.com sponsored by Premier Health. This episode was produced in association with Dayton Daily News and WHIO Radio and TV. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find shows you just love. I suspect you will be inspired by much of what you hear, but fair warning, stories shared involve trauma. First of all, say your name and where you're from.
1: Tom Alec, I live in Oakwood, but I, I teach in St. Albert's. Parents grew up here, whole family grew up here. So you're so dating, dating all
0: the way, dating yes. strong all the way. I <laughs> am. Why'd you want to come in?
1: My son was involved in the shooting, he was downtown. They were at Tumbleweed that night. I got the call about one fifteen. come pick me up. He's panicked. My two nieces from Philadelphia were in town. My other n- nephew, who lives here, was with them. It was just one of those life-changing moments where you're kind of like, "What?" So I drove down Wayne Avenue, just driving down it tonight. Coming here, lots of traffic. No, there was no cars, nothing. Got down to buy a wheat penny. I came to the street, but he, that's where they said they'd be. Picked them up in the parking lot, and they just—we all just broke down. I had no idea. I thought it was a fight. Two guys just pulled guns and started shooting each other. I had no clue. Did um, your son know what it was? No. They were on the upper deck, like on the patio. First thought it was firecrackers. He was like, that's not He covered my nieces up. She was was downstairs in the lower level of the bar. And I get a call at one fifteen, one thirteen, 113 whatever it was. Come pick us up. I'm like, okay. Like, There's been a shooting. I'm like, where are you? And he told me, so, he, you know, and it was just one of those moments where you're kind of like, okay. Picked him up, got in the car, driving up White Avenue, just, just, <laughs> You know, it all kind of sets in. They had no clue. I had no clue till the next morning. The next morning you're kind of like, you know, so sort of watching the news like five. I mean I went to bed about four, five or six o'clock. I didn't tell my wife because I wanted her to sleep. Just kind of figured, okay, he's safe, everything's good. But set in Sunday morning when you're watching people walk to find out where their kids are. I knew where mine was. It was good.
0: What do you mean people were walking us to find their kids?
1: One of the places to go and find out The Convention Center. The convention center, Mm -hmm. sorry. You see that on the news and you see people oh yeah going in and finding out what went on. Or I haven't heard from my kid and I could have been one of those people, not knowing. I mean, you know, it's one thirty in the morning. I'm asleep. It could have been all of a sudden the next morning I'm getting a phone call or I haven't seen Thomas, he's not home. He just graduated from UC and he's working at Lexus Nexus, living at home. And it would have been one of the things all he's always he's just friends. Not even thought about it. But I'm watching the news and like wow. I could be in that situation right now if, if I didn't get that phone call.
0: I really appreciate you talking to me, and I'm sorry that happened to your son. And to you, too. That's horrible.
1: It was. I don't think he's passed it. My wife and I talk about that. Is he okay? Because he needs 23. I don't know how I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But there's moments you're kind of like, is he all right? Is my niece okay? You know, so they're...
0: Has he been back down here at all?
1: They have not. They have not. And my nephew still lives here and he's seems okay, but there's times it's you know, he's like I wanna talk they gotta talk about things. But no, I think on a the whole they're they haven't moved on. It's always gonna be part of it. But I think it's brought us together as a family.
0: What were they doing It were they just out for the just
1: Yeah. My nieces were in town and my nephew Thomas Sabrisky decided, Hey, let's let's go to the organist for a little bit. All right. So they went down there, got there about twelve, they said about midnight, they left my mom's house and just hanging out having a good time on the patio and boom That and they didn't know was it a minute my nieces were from philadelphia and they both noticed the police presence and they're like there's a lot of police down here and i'm like well that's just because it's always there that's and she said you know do they know something I'm like, no that's that's normal that's not unusual they're they're walking they see the cars so that's not unusual it's just one of those moments where they were just in a situation where they didn't have any clue. When did you realize what was going on? It was the next morning when I turned on the news. You turn on the, the national news and then all of a sudden I went to Channel 7, Channel 2, and I'm like, probably 5 or 6 in the morning. I'm like, wow, that's when it kind of really hit that, wow, this was not two guys arguing and it just turning into gunshots. This was actually the real thing. And I think at that point it kind of really settled in. About 8 o'clock I went woke my wife up and told her what went on before she saw the news. And It was a rough Sunday.
0: Well, how do you think the whole thing has changed you, or has it changed you, this whole experience?
1: It brings it home. I mean, it's one of those things, you just, one well, of my kids, it's 23, we've got a 21-year-old at UD, got a 19-year-old at UC, so you're like, we're the boys. I think it's changed the city in a good way. I was impressed with the way the police handled it, and I think that's kind of opened eyes a little bit to where, wow, they're on it. And I think it's about the community together, which I'm glad. It's a way to talk. It's a way for you and I to talk. People from different backgrounds. Same backgrounds, it doesn't matter. When I, mean, I teach, I'm a junior high teacher. So telling my kids the first day of school that my sons were there, or my son was there, my nieces and nephews were there, it puts a perspective on it where it's not going to happen here. And it does. And unfortunately, gun violence happens all over the place. It shouldn't be that mass shooting that, that affects it. It should be any shooting that affects us all. I've got kids from all over, and I coach football, so it would be devastating. If, and I talked to them. It's not fighting anymore. When I was growing up, you it know, might be a fist fight. You know what's ringing. Yeah. And it's not safe.
0: What would you like to see happen? We got nine, really ten people who died. Right. You know, what would you like to see happen as a result of this?
1: That's a good question. I I think communication. I think just getting to know people. Friendliness. Saying hello to people. Being aware of where you are. The situation you're in. And I know that's, I I don't know. I don't think it's something the government can do. I don't think it's something the, the, the law enforcement can do. I think it has to be the individuals. I think it has to be us saying, you know, let's come together and get along. Let's just stop the nonsense violence. Let's teach the kids that there's other ways. You know, the suicide rate's crazy. Gun violence is crazy. And there's nothing we can enact as a law. It's got to be talk. It's got to be understanding that people are different. People are the same. But there's no reason to go to that level. It's like an easy solution to a or, I don't know, what is it? A simple solution to a, or a bad solution to an easy problem. Let's talk. Figure it out. Talk to someone. If you're that desperate, communicate it. If someone's that desperate, reach out. If you see them that bad, to them, you see kids that are just struggling. They're not bad kids. They're just they're not sure where to go. They need some guidance. They need some leadership. And they've got. I mean, it, I see so, so many kids with such potential. All they got to do is find someone. Tell me, yeah, you can can be successful. Right. It's not money. It's happy. Find happiness. I'm mixed on it. You ask me how to I don't know what do you think
0: you know i got all kind of thoughts
1: yeah right right i mean you know there's there's everything from tax the bullets make it so expensive to buy a bullet that they can't afford them you're not going to spray 500 bullets if you got to pay a hundred dollars for each bullet tax the guns make it so expensive they can't purchase them out long but if you do that there's still a I man's them out there you can't you can't kick in doors and take them back so i don't know it's one of those things you just kind of there's got to be solution there has to be Every problem's got an answer. Everybody's
0: saying, like, Dayton Strong. They said Dayton Strong doing the tornadoes and Dayton Strong doing the Klan rally, and they're saying Dayton Strong after the mass shooting. What does Dayton Strong mean to you?
1: No, I've always thought Dayton was strong. I think it's kind of hidden. I've got six brothers and sisters. My oldest sister moved back. A lot of it's because of college and, and jobs and things like that. They have left Dayton. I'm a mama's boy, so I stayed in town. <laughs> I think it's always been strong. I think it's a community that's spread out. But when you really get down to it, it's pretty close. Everything's within 20 minutes. As far as Dayton strong, I like it. I like the rally around it. I enjoy living here. It's a great place to raise my kids. I think it's going to bring us together. I think there's always been kind of a divide. When we were growing up here, there was a, it seemed like a divide across the river. And you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to be fixed. I think we need to just kind of come together as a community. And all the communities need to come together. I think there's too much division, neighborhoods, areas. Division. The <laughs> yeah, there there is, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that needs to be remedied. We need to treat people like people. They're not bad. Is it good in everybody? Find it. Don't don't be paranoid. Walk down the street and say hi. I worked in a hotel for seventeen years, and that was one of my jobs I had to do was talk to people, say hi. You find yourself in the Dayton Mall saying hi to people, and they'll look at you like what? They don't do that in Philadelphia, in, Detroit, in New York City. They just you know more about a small community. Say hi. Communicate. Get along. You don't have to like everybody. People are going to dislike people, but at the same time, don't judge them. Don't feel like you're superior or inferior. Just get along. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't think there's anything that we can mandate and say, you have to do this, this, and this. Just get along.
0: you think this has changed your students at all, this whole thing, this whole summer?
1: I hope. I hope it's at least brought them together a little bit. I don't know if it's changed them. They're 11, 12, 14, 15 I think the high school kids have gotten more of a reality of it because I coach in football, but I I don't think it's set in. Would I be down here if my son wasn't involved in it? Probably not. Maybe. You know, I do like the community. I do like Dayton, but I don't know. I think it has, I think it's kind of touched a lot of families. Definitely the tornadoes. I saw a rallying cry with the tornadoes because we have kids from Trotwood and some of them lost their homes. We rallied around that and you know got them stuff, but even through the summer, missing the weight room and, and things like that and, and struggling you know I lost my cleats. You know all right well let's let's work on getting some cleats. That had probably a bigger impact on my students and my players than probably the, the Oregon experience. but I like the way there has been a rally around that trying to rebuild stuff and I hope it gets rebuilt. That's my biggest fear is that I drive down 75 next summer and I still see blue tarps on roofs. That's a problem. That needs to be fixed. That's where the government's got to come in and kick in or the community and say, all right, let's go fix these homes. That's one of my fears. Ten years from now, are we going to sit there and still look at these blighted homes with tarps on the roof next to a new hotel that just built or torn down left as an empty parking lot? Are we going to fix this stuff or are we just going to let it look you know, horrible? Yeah, look decrepit and horrible as people drive through here. Why would you to live there? We need people to move here. We need people to stay here.
2: I am Billy Ewing, a Harrison Township resident my entire life. Oh, your entire life. Yeah, actually, I didn't even realize that as a child until going back to see my mom and seeing the welcome to Harrison Township. So we lived in one of them funny parts where, you know, one street separates one from the other. So I thought I had moved Harrison Township, (laughs) you know, I thought I... (laughs) <laughs> came on up <laughs> once I graduated from college we live in Harrison Township only to find out you've you've been living in Harrison Township <laughs> <So, laughs> your yeah, whole entire life whole entire bubble bus <laughs> <laughs> yes so where'd you want to come in well I am a proud Dayton Daily News subscriber that is something I got from my dad And my family was directly impacted by the tornadoes the tornadoes One of the 15 came literally down our street, and we are one of those families where it went up and over. So the damage was very minimal in comparison to other communities where it stayed touchdown and wreaked total havoc. What was your damage? The path of the tornado for us was coming down my street, Rosemary, And we were home. It's Memorial Day. We're normally not there. We're normally out at different family members' houses, and that was kind of funny that we all were there. So not me over a friend and my daughter over a friend, everybody's home, literally uh, just brought in all the barbecue things, putting, wrapping hot dogs and hamburgers up, and turn on the TV, comes to the news. Wasn't necessarily watching the news, just when you turn it on. That's where it was last And seeing this total panic in the face of the newscaster, never seen it before, and heard, well, you've got six minutes, Harrison Township, you've got 13 minutes. And it's like, oh, God, this is really about to happen. So we were aware that it could possibly be storm. We just think it's going to be really bad rain and see that, oh, it looks like it's going to happen. And no sooner than we see that, all of a sudden, it sounds like there is a train coming down the street. So we kind of freak out. I do have a basement. We run in the basement. Everybody come out the room, come on. You could feel the pressure, and it felt like like a vacuum, like we were getting ready to get sucked right up into the sky. So we did make it to the basement, felt a little rattle, and then it was gone. We come upstairs, come outside. It's totally quiet. It is the quietest quiet I've ever heard. Never heard that kind of quiet. Like, no cricket. There was no after breeze. So, mind you, a whole tornado just left the street, and there wasn't even a to let you know. Like, anything had been there. Stars weren't twinkling. Nothing. Of course, it's in the middle of the night, so it's pitch black outside. Electricity gone. um, Couldn't see, but uh, the next day was able to see that our tree had come down in the back and the crazy thing my particular story the crazy thing is the house to the right of us has been vacant for a while so there was no car in that driveway nobody lives in that home the way that my tree is positioned in the backyard if it would have fell straight forward it would have landed on our house if it would have tilted to the right it would have taken the garage out If it would have tilted to the left it just would have been in that person well that home's backyard but it literally fell at an angle, and it looked as if God almost went like this with his hand. Just walked it down and placed it in the driveway. It didn't damage either house as far as it falling. And it went right in that driveway with no cars, no anything. And it's a huge tree, so it was like literally the length of it came almost to the end of the street. But it just took up that driveway. Didn't tear up anything on that house on that end and then for us um the damage that we got i'm pretty certain was just more from the wind and of the the current of the tornado going up over our house so we have lost some shingles um our house is older so if i probably would have went outside and thumped on it (laughs) some of these things (laughs) would have fallen off anyway um but some some i think it's called fascia board um just older parts of the house gutters downspouts shaking it loose, and our chimney cap was in the middle of the street. But other than that, the tree took the fence down with the Uh weight of it, but other than that, that was it. So
0: You got damaged, but it was compared to other people that you survived this thing. What does it mean that you survived this thing?
2: I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I always think there's everything happens for a reason. Nothing's by accident. And I am a spiritual person, and so as I said, watching the news and then literally hearing Coming down the street, I didn't even have time to to get holy roly prayer. Oh, heavenly Father, God, Lord, it wasn't that. I said, Lord, we can't do Auntie M. That's all I could get out. That is all I could muster because I literally felt like we were getting ready to be sucked up. And so in my mind, I'm I'm like Wizard of Oz, like we that we can't do that. You you can't suck my family up into this current and. Toss us all over the world like what we can't do that and that's all I could get out and I just after I said that I said Lord please please spare my family and we went downstairs you know so who's uh, who was with you so it's me my husband my middle baby my daughter and my middle daughter and my son my oldest is grown she lives in Columbus so it's like four of you yes yeah, so it was four of us honestly I don't know I've God knows my family already been through enough and so I don't know if we were spared for that reason, but given just enough to remind us of his power and what what can and could be, and to not take any day anything for granted. And if nothing more, that's the lesson that I relay to my kids once we woke back up and just kind of was taking it all in. Like, you guys, that's, this is why I get so upset about things. You can't just walk around like, can be any kind of way it just destroys my soul we can't because even though I never knew this day was going to happen I know these days can happen and so that alone is enough for me to try to be the best human being that I can be intently deliberately try to be because just like that it could be anything I
0: think people keep talking about is like how Dayton came together and they keep using you know Dayton strong what
2: do you think that means for me, it was rebuilding a, a stronger sense of community. And for me personally, it was kind of getting back to where how things used to be. And that's part of the heartbreak um, for me personally because I've been saddened for many years that I felt like my kids were not going to see or live in the world that I got to grow up in. And it's something that you can't recreate all by yourself. Like, school was different, and neighborhoods were different. Like, everything was different. I, I don't have... I have one story that I can probably tell of something uh, uncomfortable happening or bad happening to me as a youngster. Come across a pedophile at a store trying to pick up little kids, you know. That, that's that's about it. My every every day going to the store, going to school, this, all of that, it, it feels very uh, storybookish compared to what my kids have seen and have experienced today. You hate those kind of things, but there's beauty in the storm, and that's like in real life. Like, as scary as stuff is, I love clouds. When I see them swirling, I'm like, oh, it's getting ready to get down with the get down, but I'm also captivated by it. So, you know, The the moments of people coming closer together, whether it was from right after the tornado with everybody pitching in, going around helping, to up to the Gym Gym City Shine concert with Dave Chappelle, Kanye, all that. I mean, that stuff. It helped put a I don't know a, a, a better memory attached to everything that's happened over the summer. What do you think it all means
0: that this all happened over the summer?
2: I mean, I personally, I did a post. It was definitely before the shooting, but it might have been a week or so after the actual tornadoes. And I said, you know, this is my post and these are my thoughts. And I don't know about anybody else, but I personally feel that God was talking. He was talking because technically by definition alone, we're in the the Miami Valley we shouldn't even be able to do what we're doing right now, looking at each other on Facebook, or because tornado touched down in here. You're not supposed to be able to get out. It's supposed to sit here and stir and destroy everything in sight and to not only know we not just had one, but multiple, and we can count on one to two hands how many actual lives that were lost. One. Yeah. Yeah, like... You guys, like he could no that that goes against all (laughs) natural, physical, what we know about nature and science and elements and everything. And so I just felt like he's it's just a wake up call now. How you choose to receive it is how you choose to receive it. But we could have all been wiped out. Period. And he spared us, even in all the mess. So many people and so many things and lives were spared so I'm going to take it as a second chance a 45th chance however you want to look at it I hope other people do too and that's all I'm going to say And that's all I said. That was it. That's how I look at it. You're okay now. Your house is back up. Because things were so backed up. And, of course, there were homes and people way more devastated than we were. So there was no rush. I have not been an angry, bitter, impatient homeowner. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. We lost water and power, like many people. Had to stay with relatives for a little bit. But we're just getting to where we could get the minor repairs done on our house because some contractors and things um, became available. So that's why I have my chimney cap because it's not back on yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hope it has continues to have more of a positive effect and impact than anything negative. Growing up, I always wondered what that moment was going to be for myself. For my kids, and I say that to say, like, my father was older when he had me. He grew up in during the Great Depression. He was a child during the Great Depression. So he would always tell these stories, and he's fought in World War II and just all this stuff. So I always wondered, like, wow, what is I wonder if anything like that's going to happen while I'm living or is, are those days over. And so for me, my first moment like that was 9-11. Even though it wasn't here in Dayton, like, we'll never forget what I was doing, what I was wearing. And it has literally changed everything. Uh, One of the things I so looked forward to was being able to take my kids to the airport. And we used to spend the day there, like a a family field trip. Go to the top of the towers, watch the planes, you know. Mm -hmm. Walk you all the way up to the door and kiss you before all that. And to know, like that'll never happen again that was heartbreaking then after 9-11 I'm like man I wonder what what's gonna be for my kids as of right now this would be it tornadoes mass shooting never saw that never never saw that knowing that we're in the valley hope never a flood or anything but you know just things that maybe happened before every time it rains and seeing riverscape things like that came to mind but never these two things Hopefully, that'll be it. We had enough. (laughs) We we had enough. I'm not wishing anything on the next generation of people, but I think we're good. (laughs) I think we're good. Did people come in and help you? Yes, they did. That was one of the most remarkable things. You know, we've seen floods, flood, Hurricane Katrina, I mean, we've seen this stuff, it's something totally different to experience it for yourself, and to be honest, I can't even remember if I read it in the paper or saw it on social media posts, but there was something just basically saying if you needed help to reach out and let this entity know, and so I did, I got an email saying that we would be to your house to help because the tree in my backyard was ginormous, came down and I'm, I'm not working at the time because of my brain tumor so funds to get that stuff just taken care of um, even though we have insurance you got to pay the deductible that money just wasn't sitting right there ready to go uh, Samaritan's Purse was the organization that said we would come to help and so in my mind I'm literally thinking maybe six to eight people are going to come to help us. And I even had on work clothes because I was ready to help. (laughs) I just didn't know what to do. This van pulls up and all of a sudden these cars are pulling up on the street. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And the next thing you know, about 40, 50 people hopped out, rang the doorbell, came up and said, we are Samaritans, Purse. We're looking for Billy Ewing." I said, that's me. And we are here to help you with the removal of your tree and get it situated so that it can be picked up from the street maintenance. Instantly, they got to work, and I'm talking about teenagers to elderly people, everybody pitching in like a machine. And then when it was all said and done, they called me back. They gave me a Bible that I still have. They prayed with me and prayed around the house. And <laughs> like total strangers. I tell people all the time, you're not a stranger until you do something strange, period. Because at some point, I don't want you to look at me as a stranger. At one day, we didn't know each other until we knew each other. So you're not a stranger. You're just somebody I don't know that I haven't met yet. They are like an extended family, and they follow me on Facebook. We just we want to keep in touch with you because I shared my story with them as to why I was needing their assistance and just letting them know, I know this is what you do, and we don't have to do this part, but I just want you to know that we really did need this help right now because I'm not working, and here's why. And they even gave a donation to me from organization and everything. It was crazy. So Samaritan's Purse, we don't hear about that. It's Red Cross, you know, but there's a lot of other, uh, maybe smaller or just as large, but not receiving the national acclaim, maybe organizations that are ready to go, dispatched, they came from all over
3: to help Dayton, period, that's awesome my name is A Slate given name is Latissa so you play with the letters you'll find me in there A Slate (laughs) (laughs) and I'm from Dayton Ohio why do you want to come to this I think this is a perfect time to be able to tell this story about Dayton Strong, um, and especially after the tornado with the kids that I worked with in the Right Life Village. So I definitely wanted to come and have their voices heard because they were um, very strong and very grateful after the tornado. How's that? What did they do? What they did was they created a book. (laughs) <laughs> they created a book, The Right Life Village Presents After the Tornado, which is rainbow poetry, and we call it Fresh Apples. And in here is a lot of poems. It's a lot of poems about gratitude, and they could build a new nest, how they would fly like an eagle, and all these poems are in this book. You're the teacher. I did a workshop. Krista Matthews at Dayton Leadership Academy has had an enrichment program called the SEEP program, S-E-E-P. And I went in with the students and this and so these are the original poems, and they actually did them like a rainbow. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they did their poems on here, and some of them were telling how they felt It's a little lengthy, but it's beautiful. She said, um, I read some of it. My feelings were trapped inside a cage, and I felt rage as I stomped off the stage inside my mind. On the outside, I felt numb and fragile, and my wings were blue, and I just wanted to go home. My mother, I remember, was sweet yet sad. The cage was made with words of hate. But what if it all changed? And I felt sane, which caused me um, a sense. I got my thoughts stuck between my heart. I found the key, and it was inside of me. I no longer felt trapped inside my mind. I broke free from the inside. So... They were talking about how what feelings they had after the tornado. Some of them wrote some beautiful ones about helping people in the community. Who wrote that one? Um, I'll say her name is Faith. I won't say her last name. Faith wrote that, and she was a sixth grader. Yeah, wow, that's great. Sixth grader. We even had first graders. Um, we had Kennedy. Kennedy said, "I am blessed for this community and how they help." And the tornado in the tornado when it happened. It was sad. I seen so many houses knocked down me. So that next day, me, my mom, my dad, and my dad, (laughs) we went to the arena, and we was passing out water and food and snacks. The community is the rainbow, the rainbow is bright, and it is full with God's blessings. Kennedy was so excited to tell about how they went out and they helped. Jamari, I am thankful for my whole family and the people who got caught in the storm. I'm also thankful that didn't anyone lose their life in a tornado. I love that some people are everywhere Giving out water, food, pampers, milk, snacks And lots more My orange is lots of oranges You would think being at their elementary schools, That they would be distraught They would be sad, they would be afraid They were not, they were not They are like, yeah, the tornado happened And my roof came off Or my cousin's roof came off at their apartments Or we seen this whole house torn down They were shocked by that happening But they all they was talking about was people helping people That was it it was just all about community, and it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful where it's What
0: do you think that says about Dayton? If that's a reaction.
3: Ah, uh, I, I call the tornado um, the winds of change. If anybody thought that Dayton was a small. City or town that was disconnected, they were very wrong. I was so happy to see how many people just immediately came together and banded together and connected. And it wasn't just like in one area. You would ride, be it um, on the east side of town or be it up in Hubert Heights or be it wherever it was, wherever you went, there were groups everywhere helping and doing something. So I think that says, We're a city of compassion, we're a city of strength, we're a city of determination, we are a city of uh, togetherness. I think it says a lot. You know, they said, Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love, then um, I don't know what that would call us. We just must be a family. It must be. We just be <laughs> a family city. Right? Like you need a sandwich or the sandwich, right? And that's exactly what yeah. it was like. That's exactly what it was like. I mean, and it, it just was absolutely just beautiful. Where? Were you impacted yourself by the storm? I was not. Personally, I wasn't affected. However, my grandson and his mother, they lived in uh, the apartments in Troutwood their entire roof came off and they were on the second floor and so they had ended up coming to my house and they stayed there for a while until they were able to move but yeah that's pretty
0: big though having your daughter back in your house well she would be my stepdaughter, your like, stepdaughter. my daughter-in-law rather
3: mm-hmm. yeah it, yeah, it was it was different mm-hmm. because I have kids at home and then uh, it, it was fun at first you know <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I could see my grandbabies all the time but it got a little stressful but It was all about what we were doing. We stayed strong. It was about what was important. And what was important was supporting each other in that, and definitely supporting her and those babies in that. Yeah, so that was that. I'm just proud of these kids. And that was one of the things that I do in the Right Light Village. It stands for working responsibly and triumph efficiently through love, inspiration, faith, and empowerment. And these kids, they came in with all of that. They was working responsibly. They they was on triumph. We triumphant. We made it. And they were efficient in everything they did. And it was all about what dating is. Love, inspiration, faith, empowerment. What are you going to do with the book? What am I going to do with the book? Right now I'm doing a fundraiser to get a copy of 113 books for the kids. Because I made them a promise that if they put forth their efforts and put their feelings out honestly and wasn't afraid. Don't be afraid of poetry. It doesn't have to rhyme. If you do that, I'll make sure that we have something where you can remember this forever. I remember when I was a kid and the first time I seen my name in print, I was excited. Right. So I went on ahead for not this particular book, but some of their books I got a illustrator for them. And then I also went got copyrights and published. And then I said, well, I can't afford to do it anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to do a fundraiser so that they all can have a copy of their Well,
0: own. I'll write a story about it whenever you get ready to do the fundraiser.
3: Ah, awesome. Yeah. I'm ready now. You ready right now?
0: What, is, what exactly is it? right? The Right
3: Mike Village is my own nonprofit mm. that I do. And it was created in 2017, Christmas break. There was a student at Edison Elementary that committed suicide. And I was asked to come in and do a poem. Elementary school? Elementary. Mm. Fourth grade. He was in third grade. Should have been in fourth I couldn't understand how me going in to recite a poem was going to help grieving kids. So I was like, no, I have to find a way to where y'all can get y'all feelings out. I've been depressed a major portion of my life. And so I was like, let me see what I can do. I'm going to create a journal. And Marlon Shackelford, um, a big community leader mm-hmm. out here, he said, I'm going to support you in that. We're going to raise funds so you can get a journal. So this was the first type of journal. The only difference is it have a label on it it would have something similar to this would be stuck on it. So I would cover a journal to let them know they're covered and protected by the Most High in us. Hi, Joy. That's one of my friends in The Right Life Village. That's Joy. We take Joy with us everywhere we go in The Right Life Village. So she helped with the summer program as well with the kids. And then this mantra would be on there. They all know that. And it would be a one-liner. It would be a one-liner of inspiration. It would be one line of love, inspiration, faith, or empowerment in here. And then a signature. So they can know how important it is to sign name. And I was a heart somewhere hidden on the book. And I don't know where this one is hidden. It's down here. To let them know that we got, you know, half their heart, half ours. So give them these. So they had a safe platform to express themselves without judgment, bias, or fear. Went from that to couldn't afford to keep making these. So we start doing like these kind. Mm-hmm. These are the kind they had this summer. This is one student that didn't stay. So they would write their poems in here and I would in turn type them up, put them in the books. It started just so kids can get their feelings out. So I think one of the things that kept me the most depressed and stressed out, especially after tragedy, like a tornado, you hold all that in, then what does that do to a person? Carry that for years and years and the years? The rest of your life. And just imagine some of these kids were completely uprooted from their homes. And we'll never see that home again. All your friends, your neighborhood, you don't know if your mom or dad moved somewhere else. It's traumatizing. So I wanted them to have a place where they could speak freely. And that's where it all started at. But what's that?
0: Breaking in to remind you that you are listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. And I'm Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. Has some good news. A Slate raised the money needed to print the books for her young poets. Because Dayton is just that kind of town. A link to a story I wrote about her project is in this episode's description. The What Happened Was podcast is
3: brought to you partly due to our sponsor, Premier Health. Our care lives in the hour between dropping off the kids and making it to your first meeting. Because scheduling your doctor's appointment should work around your life, not the other way around. Premier Health now offers online scheduling for primary care and select specialty services. Setting up an appointment takes seconds, and in some cases, you can see a provider the same day. Just head to premierhealth.com schedule to see how easy it can be. Our care lives on your schedule. Premier Health. Thousands
0: of homes were destroyed during the Memorial Day Tornadoes. One of those houses belonged to Tim Walker and his wife, Elizabeth Wentz. The couple brought their children, Storm 8 and Hendrix 12, and to share their story about survival. So why'd you want to come in?
4: We're still here. It's, it's been, been a rough summer. But, uh, you know, the three of them, even with all their anxiety and everything that they've been through, they're still still staying strong. So that's why, that was the thing that appealed to us, I think.
5: And you are here too, right?
0: Yes, yeah. yes
4: ma'am.
5: Exactly, yeah. yeah. So why'd you want to do it though? Five months out, it well. seems like a lot of us are still struggling well. and I don't know, maybe if we can let someone else know that it's not an easy path trying well. to dig your way out of natural disasters like this and just, I don't know, hopefully that maybe our story can give other people hope to keep moving forward because I know there's a lot of people that are still behind the process even further than what we are and that's just what our what our hopes were just sometimes there's an outlet to talk about it, it's good too yeah what happened that night he was on his way to work i was watching it on my phone my kids play with my phone every night and they usually oh. kill it so i had like five percent left on the phone and he was getting ready to go to work and i was just seeing all the storms were coming in they were getting kind of bad so i decided to plug my phone in and start oh. watching the tv he woke up to go to third shift, and he was like, "Let me know. You keep an eye on the TV. Let me know if it gets any worse." One of my friends called from Brookville, and she said, that you need to really take this seriously." She said, "The storm has just hit us, and is taking roofs off houses and demolishing them." She said, "The storm is like nothing to mess with." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Because usually the sirens go off, and you don't really, I don't know, you don't really think anything of it, especially living in the in the city. I was watching the radar, and I saw that it was getting close. And it, the I the, knew they were going, take cover, take cover. So I called the kids down from upstairs and had them each throw their shoes on. I handed them their tablet, and I started handing them just blankets and pillows, and I put them on the stairwell heading into our basement. And then that's when the Northridge alarms went off. And, I mean, they just... Blaring. Were blaring and we literally probably had a minute before I, I grabbed the blankets, I grabbed the dogs to put them down, I covered us up but it was on top of us that that fast and I was trying to call 911 and like you couldn't get out and I heard but I had to plug my phone before I got them all covered up and I had 5% left and I got one phone call out, I think I got one text message out to Tim and he's got like a blurred, broken up message and then I got one to my sister-in-law oh. and It just was held down, and while their roof was being ripped off, and every window was shattered, and he was screaming
6: that he thought he was gonna die. I thought it was gonna be the end of my life, dude. Yeah, it was scary. Mm -hmm. I was a. It. I was really excited for summer break. I was ready to get out of school, <laughs> ready to have a vacation in Florida, and I was just so excited for the new school year. So I was ready to go to sleep, and I did not feel like re- resting in my bed, so I made my extra some pillows and stuff on the ground, just laid on the ground, chilling, watching some YouTube videos, and I had my old tablet. It was this blue tablet, and it was happily replaced in and it was this little blue tablet and I was on it just watching videos, laughing and having fun May 28th, the last day of school and right. <laughs> I was just sitting there and I was like I am so excited to go to sleep on the floor and mom can pick me up and put me in there and then I heard mom say, Hey, Hendrix And I said, What? Come downstairs please So I threw on the only clothes what was sitting and the dirty clothes were they were even worn and I was like it should be serious or it should be good, so I just threw on an outfit, and it was this Minecraft t-shirt, and I threw on these Dollar General branded pa- athletic pants, and I just ran downstairs, and I called Stormy, my sister, she runs downstairs, and...
0: Did you know it's going to be bad at
6: that point? Uh, I thought it was me, Mom was calling this down for something good, and then she just sends us to the basement stairs, and I was like, what the heck is going on? She said, there's going to be a tornado, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to die, Crying, screaming, and, and then eventually the power goes out, and well, I was really scared. Was TV plan. goes off, you can hear rain, and, and then camp. thunder just blows, and you can hear. I was and
5: able then to grab these two tiny little flashlights, but they they got like sucked out. I mean, like, almost immediately. Yeah
6: stormy was sitting on the basement stairs and we had a flower pillow of what was what belonged to one of our couches what she dropped it on the basement stairs and it fell all the way down to the basement and i was like oh my god we are going to actually die and then eventually the Northridge alarm alarms go off it spickled i was so scared and stormy was too scared to be on her tablet she was really nervous uh i was nervous but i was still on my tablet i was watching Splatoon videos. I'm a big fan of it. I got the t-shirt on and stuff. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so um, I
6: was watching Splatoon videos on my tablet, and then uh, the, the power went out, the alarm went off, and then we went over the blanket and then just hit, and then the wall shifted off, and, and, the, and the house came off the foundation. This big old heavy wind starts blowing us, and I was like, oh my gosh, and, and then when it ended we just heard police trucks alarms like wheel we, wheel and we heard rain and i was like oh my gosh i thought our whole house was just sitting on the grass i did not know the whole wall was gone so Mm. our neighbor dustin he came over and kicked the door open and he said you guys need to get out so he got us out we had a bookshelf above our computer room we had a computer room what connected to our basement stairs the whole entire bookshelf just collapsed it on the door and we couldn't get out so Dustin kicked the door open and got us out and we thought it was just everything was dark until we saw the living room. Me and Mom were like, oh my God. We had a little fake bakery set, like sitting on the bottom of the living room on its side. I saw, I collect lanyards, and one of my lanyards were caught in one of Mom's horror paintings, what we got in Indiana a couple weeks before the storm hit. And it was like shattering broken. and we were stabbing on it. And we got out of the house safely, and I was trying to take the stairs. But apparently, the whole tired stairs had shifted off for the house, so we just stepped it on a basement cinder block and escaped the house. And we were trying to look for the car, and then it said it was coming for a second way. So we took cover in. The back neighbor's back house. We, we, we took was. cover. It came around twice? They
3: it was supposed it was to. to. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they, and then they, they neighbors
6: in the radar, and I guess the same one was
5: just coming back around and come back down our street again. So we had to run across the street and we had to the do, other house across I, the street.
6: Good. And then we had to do, take cover, and a house with foundation was already cracked, and we probably wouldn't make it, and we went in the neighbor's house. He had a, a younger child who we played with that same night before we came in and his incredible doll was laying over the ground. There was debris and stuff everywhere. And his little Spider-Man raincoat was all over the ground. And we found out when the wall shipped off, we all lost our flip-flops. So we had to wear, um. Dustin's wife's flip-flops, and uh, they were like all mitch and and then they said it was coming for a second time, so we had to take cover in the in their basement with a cracked foundation, but we were all scared. Stormy had no T-shirt on, so we found these big old bags of dirty clothes, and we just threw a T-shirt on Stormy and and then cover herself up with a dirty clone. I was, it was scary and I would just hug out mom. I felt dizzy. I was scared and, and happily it passed and we were still in the house with the cracked foundation. Dad comes walking over into the door and we hug him and he takes us into the car and we drive away. Where'd you hey. guys go? We,
4: well, yeah, That first night um, I had walked into Caterpillar. My shift starts at 11 o'clock so I had left the house at about 10.30 and Like my wife said, I told her before I left, I said, you know, just keep an eye on the news. And if it starts to get too bad, take cover, call me, let me know what's going on. Well, I got up to Clayton and it was raining just really, really hard. And uh, by the time I got from my truck to the front door, I was soaked all the way to the skin. I walk in the door and the lights were flashing. The alarms were going off. And my supervisor uh, hustled us on to what we call the FEMA tunnel, which is this specially constructed area where we're all safe. They shut the doors. And at that point, cut off any cell phone service. So I was sitting there, and I kept texting and texting, trying to get a hold of her, and just no signal. Well, after about 20 minutes in there, it was about 20 after 11, 25 after they opened the door. And I came out, and my phone dinged, and it was a text message from my sister-in-law in in Springfield. She had got her message, and she wrote to me and said, look, don't panic. They're all okay, but the house is is gone. I looked at my boss, said, I got to go. My family's been hit. And he's like, well, hang on. They want us to go back in the FEMA tunnel because they were worried about another tornado. And I said, no, I got to go. He said, go, go. So I I ran to the truck and went down to pick them up. And as I'm driving up Maple Grove, I had to stop short of the house because the were too many trees in the road, but I got them out of the house across the street and we got them in the truck. Got all the dogs. We had five dogs, six that fostered night. Yeah, we foster dogs, and so we had. We had
5: yeah, so, so
4: <laughs> that's what's worried about the dogs. So we got all the dogs in the truck with us. So it was crowded in there. Four of us <laughs> plus six dogs. Well, then we uh, started just started driving, trying to find a way out of Northridge. And because of all the confusion and the power lines down, we really had a rough time getting out. We wound up finally taking Siebenthaler toward Trotwood
5: to another area, to another that had area had that
4: had been hit. hit. And we were low on gas, and we were trying to find an operating gas. Station finally found one on Salem. Stopped to get gas, and a friend of ours who also lived in Northridge was there. She came running up, hugs, you know, to make sure we were all okay. From there, we went over to I think it was the Holiday Inn and in Suites over by UD. I took them there that first night. I slept in the truck with the dogs. <laughs> but they, We just needed a place to go, you right. know, and then, so we got a room there for the night. And then after that, moved up to the Motel 6 in Inglewood, and we wound up after the night of the storm. We lived in the hotels for about uh, eight weeks. Was it eight weeks? Okay. Six weeks? weeks. Yeah. But it was, it was quite a while on hotels, and it was it we was We got tough. some
6: donations.
4: We didn't get some donations. We had some people that were very We got kind. new
6: tablets. We got some donations.
4: So you got a new tablet?
6: Yeah. Oh, that's mm, awesome. Yeah. And they yeah. had the exact same design from the old ones.
4: So, <laughs>
0: so you left out awesome. a little bit. That's
6: pretty cool. Yeah. Mm.
4: His, uh, his principal from, well, his old principal from mm. Northridge Schools, chipped in and bought tablets for him and for Storm so that they could replace some of the things that they'd lost. And and took them
5: shopping we, for clothes. Yeah, took
4: them shopping for clothes. It really meant a lot to us because they, they really reached out and helped us out when we needed it. How are you guys doing now? It's it's still difficult. We're still displaced. We're renting a mobile home in Springfield which my wife and kids are still suffering from a lot of anxiety. If, it, if the sky clouds up or if it rains, they get worried. It's scary for them and it's not home. A lot of the things that we're used to having a, a yard and being able to let the dogs out and just we can't do that because we're in a different place now but we're still looking we're looking for a place do
0: you think you'll go back
4: back to our old house no it's, back con- to it's the, condemned i um, can go
0: back to the property i try to rebuild or? Uh,
4: we talked about it Hendricks would like us yeah. to
5: he can't stay in the country
0: he <laughs> doesn't like where we live
4: yeah <laughs> i don't think we're going to i think we're going to find us another place but hopefully someplace not too far from where we lived. i mean we love the northridge area but uh, it's hard for my daughter when we go back and drive through there. She gets very nervous. She doesn't, doesn't really like it. So,
5: What does it mean for you to have anxiety? It feels like someone takes a champagne bottle and shakes it up inside of you. And it's just like this, it starts in your gut and it's just all over feeling. The other night for the first time when he was at work, because we're out in the country, someone has hit a light pole and all the power went out and it brought like everything back from that night and just the the lights went out, the sound, the the, and of course, I, I told him, I said, You would think that after going through this, I would have a bag that I could go reach out, or my phone stay charged, or <laughs> I was there trying to find a flashlight, trying to find the candles, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I would I'd be horrible cell phone reception out there, so I'm trying to call him, and he was asleep, thank goodness, but she came out immediately and was freaking out, like, scared to death. I'm like, but then. I have to try to stay strong for them, even though I'm feeling the exact same thing that they're feeling. It's post-traumatic stress, I and mean, it just brings back everything that you went through that night and thinking that you're going to die, honestly. I mean, it's the scariest and closest I've ever been to death in my life, and trying to tell your children that it's going to be okay and that we're going to make it through this when in your head you aren't really sure if you are. I think that was the scariest thing. And I told Tim, I said, that that night before I saw the house the next day and I realized how damaged it was, because everything was kind of a blur that night, you know, mainly getting them to safety and then getting my dogs out were my two top priorities. But um, I kept telling him, I swear, that it was like something was sucking them out of my hands. Like I was holding on to them for dear life. I didn't understand why the suction was so strong. And that's when we tra- went to the house the next day and I saw that, that it, this storm literally picked the house up and moved it. So the whole front of us was nothing but an open space to the outside, where it literally was. Trying to pull him out. out. Yeah, trying to suck him out.
0: That's amazing that you're able to hold on to
5: him, Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It's just strange. And I think the weird thing is after tornadoes is everything's silent. Like, after it leaves, there's, like, this eerie, just dead silence. And it feels so strange. You can't hear a bird chirp. You can't hear anything. It's just so quiet after everything besides like the sirens going off from cars or something but just it's weird you don't hear any bugs or birds or animals or just nothing true isn't it -hmm. yeah what does Dayton Strong mean to you for us it's the fact that with everything that we've been through it's the people that pulled together. It's the people that helped us out. I mean, the whole next day when you're in a blur and in a daze, it's the people that were driving by and handing you water and bringing you sandwiches and just total strangers, the people that you never met were keeping you moving forward and honestly like keeping you alive (laughs) because we had we had nothing they blew up all of our cars and people bringing you dog food for your dogs and it's amazing how the city and how i mean it didn't just hit one area it hit so many different areas and and dating and surrounding areas that everybody kind of came together. And that's what Dayton Strong is to us. And even so many people said to, to our family, they're like, you know, you guys lost everything. But if, if I was on one of the tornado groups and I saw that someone needed something and I could share what we were given, I'm like, I'll share it. What do you need? You know, we have extra clothes. We have extra food. I'll give it if, if you guys need it. And that's kind of think how I think everybody was. Mm-hmm.
0: Sort of that togetherness is amazing. Especially in today's time. I
5: think we needed it more than anything. It's it's kind of something beautiful happened out Mm -hmm. of something so tragic. That's what a lot of
0: people have been saying. Like Basically, it's like people from all over just kind of coming together and helping each other. That's true. Mm -hmm. true. So what do you think the community is going to need to heal from this? From this and the shooting and everything else that's going on?
1: I think
5: the main thing is not letting... They go. I think in today's world, think bad things happen, and it's like here and everybody does something, and then it's just gone. Keeping people aware that people are still struggling, and to not give up on them, and to still stay strong until everybody is back to where they were prior to this, and just to keep hoping. I know we're lucky enough to be in a hotel, but I know there's some people that are still in tents. And winter's coming, and I know there's older people where insurance isn't helping them. Their roofs are tarped. Next thing you know, snow's going to be hitting, and mold's coming, and just there's so much more tragedy that's going to take place than what's even hit. I mean, I've noticed more houses even on our road that we thought were salvageable, and now you drive by the road, and they're condemned. It's destruction you didn't even see.
0: Yeah, when it rained those days afterwards, that was terrible. Cause it-
5: weeks, I mean, we couldn't get in our house. In mean, our house, trying to salvage things. Was most of us are very middle class in Northridge, and it took a long time to get what you little bit you do have. And I know we couldn't even go back in the house. It was just poured and poured and poured, and the, what little bit of roof you left would cave in and just mess everything up so much worse. I mean, things almost unsalvageable. You know, just mold, and, and it, it was bad. I, I was really praying for people like, oh my gosh, stop raining, please. <laughs> He simply at least go in there and try to get some of her stuff out. That's the, the hardest part is just making sure that, that people still you know, stay, stay connected connected and, and not letting time pass and you know, stop it.
0: Anyone who has ever doubted that Dayton is a strong community just got screwed. This episode of the What It Happened Was podcast was produced, edited, and written by me, Amelia Robinson, and the WHIO Radio Studios. It includes additional reporting by Corey Froelich and editing by Mike Baronek, Javon Pippins, and James Harrelson. Ashley Bethard, Ron Rollins, and Emily Broughton provided additional support for this multifaceted project. Special thanks to the Dayton Metro. Library and all of those who shared their stories of struggle, survival, and strength. Additional stories will be shared as part of an upcoming WHIO TV special. Visit the Dayton Daily News' audio on demand page on DaytonDailyNews.com for more stories. Until next time, stay Dayton strong. Bye bye.